I want to introduce our speaker, Dr. Dave Martin, America's number one Christian success coach. As a coach, pastor, mentor, inspirational speaker, business leader with a mission to communicate the biblical principles of success. Coach Dave is known around the world for his ability to resonate with his audience, providing insight and wisdom that are life-changing. Pastor Dave shares timeless truths wrapped in humor and delivered with passion, teaching people how to pursue and possess a life of fulfillment and success. He speaks in corporations, colleges, churches. He's a keynote speaker at the Get Motivated Seminars, America's largest business seminars. He is lead pastor of Motor City Church. Used to be... uh, it's that, you're from that church? It used to be Zion Evangelistic Church or Temple? Yes, but it's now was renamed and restarted and rebooted and it's growing and he's just making a real difference there. He is lead pastor of Motor City Church and serves on the board of Joel Osteen's Champions Network. It's our privilege and honor to welcome Pastor Dave Martin, Dr. Dave Martin up here to the pulpit. Let's give him a round of applause. Can we do that? Amen. Amen. You can be seated. You know, I was. Um, I usually start a little bit different, but before I do, I just when we were when we were just in worship, uh, I just wanted to pray for a couple people real quick. If you're here tonight and you you came in with pain in your body, you you got pain in your body right now. Uh, can we just pray for you real quick? You know, so well, we can wait till the end. That's don't you wait till the end to pray? But I figure, why well, sit through this whole service in pain? If you can just get healed right now, right? Uh, and so, uh, if, if that's you, just stand up real quick. Just stand up. If you're in pain right now. You want to receive that healing? Just go ahead, stand up. Right? Okay. Yeah, several guys. Father, I just thank you that you are our healer. Lord, you said by your stripes we were healed. If we were, that means we already are, so you've already paid the price for it, and now we just receive it. Father, I thank you for healing right now in our, in our bodies, or this, the person with the neck, Lord, right at the, at the top of their, their spine, where their neck and their spine connect, that's just in a horrible pain right there. I thank you. You're healing that right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you that uh, someone's right knee, Lord, they're just pain right there through their hip to their knee. It's just causing horrific pain. I thank you that there's healing coming right now in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you. I thank you that uh, uh, kidneys are being healed right now in Jesus' name. Lord, someone's battling with mental, mental, some mental stress, anxiety, some, uh, some depression. Lord, I thank you that you're just lifting that. Lord, you took the crown of thorns on your head. You took the pressure on your head so that we could have it lifted off of ours. And so I thank you right now that you're, you're relieving that. Lord, I thank you no matter what it is. Lord, I thank you that you're creating, putting new organs right now. Uh, but I thank you that we don't have to sit through this service in pain, but I thank you right now that you can bring healing. And so Father, I thank you that your healing uh, power, your healing virtue just flow from one side of the building to the other side of the building. Thank you that blood pressure is leveling out right now in Jesus' name. Uh, if, that, if that's your stand, just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. All right, amen. You can, you can be seated. Just receive that, that healing right now. I, I just believe some of you, right, you're already feeling uh, God touch you, and, and it's just up to you to receive it. God's already provided it, and now we just receive it. And so, amen. Amen. Well, good to see you guys. I'm glad you came to man up. 
man up. Some of y'all need to. Man up. I love the, the raising, ra- building men, raising sons. Any dads in here? Any dads? Got some dads in here? Oh, oh look at all those dads. Awesome. Any grandparents? Any grandparents? Hey, man, I love, I love grandparents. I've been praying a lot for grandparents. I read a statistic that said that, um, that grandparents that have a relationship with their grandkids, if you have a good relationship with your grandkids, the grandkids uh, are, are, I think it was around 80% less likely to commit suicide if they have a strong relationship with their grandparents. So grandparents, you got an important job. you got an important, an important job. I've read one in three uh, girls right now, one in three girls have, uh, teenage girls have contemplated suicide, have thought about it, contemplated suicide. And the, and the statistics for, for, guy, for boys is, is getting stronger too, and so, or higher as well. And so we need, we need some real men, some, some, man to, some men to man up. I like that, man up. Husbands, grandfathers. Got my son with me tonight, 17 years old. His name's Solomon. Figure if your name's David, you might as well name your son Solomon. And uh, I, just had, I just had one, so thank God I had to name the other one Absalom. That wouldn't have been, that would not have been good. So, uh, so God knew what he was doing. But um, Pastor, thank you so much. Can we thank Pastor and, and, and Cornerstone for taking the, the effort and the energy, come on, to put a conference like this together? Yeah, come on. That's, listen. There's a, there's a lot of women's conferences out there. There's, there's not a lot of men's conferences left out there. And, and so I just, to see an auditorium full of men, to see men worshiping, and, and that just gives me a little bit of, a, uh, of, a, of excitement for what uh, can happen in America. Because so a lot of men aren't even sure anymore. Right? And so... We're glad that y'all are sure. And if you're not, just, you just go in the bathroom, look down, you know. Okay? You don't have to be, you don't have to, don't have to be confused anymore. Okay? That'll, if you're confused, that'll help you. But um, anyway, real men. I was just watching a guy speak at a men's conference. He, he, killed, he wrestled a bear. Uh, they call him Bear Man. I don't know. Have you ever heard of it? He's from Michigan. It's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Anyway, I just watched him and it's, it's a pretty powerful testimony of, of wrestling. I didn't know you, I mean, I didn't know anybody wrestled a bear and lived, you know, uh, but anyway, I did hear about this guy who, uh, came out of his house one day. Now, someone said they're from Mississippi. Who's from Mississippi? That's where I'm from, Mississippi. All right. I'm all my family's from Meridian. I grew up in Mississippi, graduated high school in Mississippi, and then I moved to Florida and I was in Florida for years until about three years ago, God got mad at me and moved me to Detroit. Um, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, but, uh, God sent us here and, uh, and, and just, we got a great group of men over here. And, uh, so I love my guys and, uh, the mighty men of Motor City. And, and so God put us here. We're planting a church and it's, it's growing and we're excited about all that God is, is doing there. But, but, uh, this, this guy walked out to, to get his newspaper and he's walking back to the house and he noticed a bear on his roof. He said, how do you get rid of a bear? I never, how do you, I mean, so he Googled it. You know, that's what a real man would do. And he, and he, he saw, all of a sudden it popped up bear removal. 
So he, he called the number. There was a number. He called the number. The guy said, yep, that's what I do. I remove bears. He said, can you come over? He said, I'll be right there. A few minutes later, he showed up, pulled up in a pickup truck, had a big cage on the back of it. He got out. He had a shotgun, a pit bull, a ladder, and a baseball bat. The guy said, what is all that for? He said, that's how I remove bears. He said, what do you do with it? He said, well, the, the ladder I'm going to put up against your house so I can climb up on the roof. When I get up on the roof, I'm going to take this baseball bat with me. When I get up there, I'm going to hit this bear as hard as I can. I'm going to knock him off the roof. When he hits the ground, my pit bull is going to run up and grab hold of him by his testicles. And he's going to hold him until I get off the roof. I'll put him in that cage. I'll drive out of here. We'll be done. Your bear will be gone. He said, that's amazing. He said, that's how you, I had no idea. He said, well, what's that, what's the shotgun for? He said, son, that shotgun is in case the bear knocks me off the roof. If he does, shoot that pit bull. <laughs> okay, all right, all right, all right. It's one of those jokes you can only tell at men's conferences, you know. But uh, awesome. Awesome. I'm just checking y'all out. Just, you're checking me out. I'm checking you out. Just give me a minute. You know, I love the diversity too of men. I love, we got some old guys, some young guys, some teenagers, some just uh, different backgrounds, ethnicities. I love it. I love different. There's more different guys in here than there are, I don't know, bras at Victoria's Secret. You know, there's a, I, that's for a women's conference, I guess, but there, there are, that's what I was going to teach you tonight. Victoria's Secrets. There are a lot of bras in there if you've ever been in there. Though. My, my, my wife and I we had our anniversary not long ago, so I went in there to get her something for our anniversary. And I was, there was, a, I was confused. There were so many different kind. I didn't even know where to start. If you've ever been in there, it's confusing, you know. And so I'm, she could tell I was confused. Lady came over. She said, you seem confused. I said, I am. I can't. I don't know what's what here. She said, well, let me, let me break it down for you and make it a little simpler. She said, there's really only three kinds of bras in here. I said, well, it seems like a lot more. She said, yeah, but really there's only Catholic bras, Salvation Army bras, and Baptist bras. And I said, well, that helps a little. I mean, I'm a, I'm a pastor, so I understand a little denominated, but I'm, I'm still a little confused of how that all. She goes, well, just think of the Catholic bras, hold the masses. The, the Salvation Army bras lift the fallen. And the Baptist bras will make a mountain out of a molehill. <laughs> so, all right, all right. Let, let's, all right, let me get into the, let, let me get to the message. Let me, let me get to the, let me get to this message. Pastor, he introduced me, mentioned I was a, a motivational speaker and that kind of thing. And, and, and that's fine. I'm, I'm not really a motivational speaker. I don't think anybody can really motivate you. Uh, except you, you're the only person that can motivate you. So I, 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 I have that title and I, and I get hired a lot to be a motivational speaker, but I don't tell them that I'm not, that there's no such thing as one because they were paying me a lot of money to be one. So I just go for it. But, uh, I, I really don't think I can motivate you. You only, you can motivate you. I hope to inspire you a little bit tonight. Uh, now don't expect me to be pastor. I can't, I don't preach as good as him. I'm probably not as anointed as him. I, I, I like him. I wish I, how many, I, I'm so thankful for pastor Tim. How many, I'm mean, grateful for him. And, uh, but don't make me be him. Cause I can't be him. God didn't create me to be him. God created me to be me, right? You gotta be you. I gotta be me. I can't be TD Jakes. I gotta be me. 
right? I can't be Joel Osteen. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Every day's a Friday. <laughs> uh, the other day, someone introduced me. said, what's Dave Martin like? They said, he's kind of a mixture between Joel Osteen and Larry the Cable Guy. <laughs> but just hold your Bible up with me and say, get her done. You know, I don't know. But... Um, you just got to be you, right? You got to unwrap your gift. Every one of us have gifts. God created you to be you. He didn't create you to be me. He didn't create me to be you. You got to, could, could you think of anything worse than getting a gift and never opening it, never unwrapping, never enjoying it? Could you imagine giving somebody a gift? They said, oh, thanks. And just set it on the table. Like, no, I got that for you. And that's what God did. He picked out this gift called life, picked it out just for you. A couple of Christmases ago, I got my mother-in-law a gift. Uh, for Christmas and um, got her a cemetery plot. And I, I my, my mother-in-law. Anyway, um, I didn't get her anything last year. She was mad at me. Did you didn't give me anything for Christmas this year? I'm like, you didn't even use what I got you. I, I'm, I'm just saying, when you know, when you when you get someone a gift, right, you want them to use it. So here's this gift God gave us called life. And it's up to you to unwrap it, make the most out of it. And so you just got to be, you got to be you. I'm going to, I'm going to be me. But pastor, as he was up here, uh, just a few minutes ago during worship and God gave him that word, shake it off, shake it off. And, uh, and, and, and some of you responded, some of you didn't, you didn't respond yet. It's, it's okay. You, you'll have another opportunity. But I think that was a really powerful, powerful word and a powerful moment. And I think that's really what God wants a lot of us to do tonight in some different areas as he mentioned several different areas and uh shake it off shake it off i just just hope they weren't going to go into that taylor swift song but uh but i believe that is a word for us and uh and i want i want to kind of jump into that because a couple days ago i kind of switched up this is my sixth time to speak this week and and a couple days ago that i was i was uh uh, praying about tonight, and I had an idea of what I wanted to do, and God kind of flipped it around on me a little bit. So I think this is really, if you're, if you're ready, I think this is a, a word for you to, to shake it off. How many have ever made a mistake, by the way? Oh my goodness, that's all of you. I brought a, a book that I wrote about, about that. I didn't bring enough for everybody. I didn't know that many people made mistakes, but it looks like all of you did. Um, uh, if you've never made a mistake, actually, you probably never made anything. Everybody makes mistakes. Everybody, everybody uh, misses it every now and then. I mean, yeah, you look at our, our greatest heroes in the Bible, the great cloud of witnesses that surround us. I mean, they've made some of the biggest mistakes. I mean, my goodness. When you think, well, I've just made too many mistakes, God can't use me. Just start thinking of them. Abraham, right? Uh, Noah. Noah was a drunk. God still used him. Abraham was too old. God still used him. You can go through the whole thing. I mean, David had an affair. Uh, Job went bankrupt. You know, Samson had long hair. And God still used him. Leah was ugly. God used her. Uh, that, I mean, that's in the Bible. I'm not judging her. It's, it said it. It said it in the Bible. You just go through the... I mean, Peter denied Jesus. God still used him. So... Uh, uh, just sometimes you just got to shake it off. We all make some mistakes. I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of uh, different companies and CEOs, and, and especially in the, in the in the sports arena. I've worked a lot with with the NFL, and, and we got a, a few of the uh, Lions players um, that come to the church. I'm trying to really become a Lions fan now that I live here, 
And, uh, um, and uh, I mean, this year they, they made it pretty, they made it pretty exciting, pretty easy. The year before that, not too much, but I told the guys after, not this year, but the year before last, I said, guys, I said, listen, when I die, I want you to be the pallbearers at my funeral. So you can let me down just one more time. But, uh, um, but we, you know, we, we, we've, uh, I, I was in the, and I'm going to tell you about this, this book. I'm going to teach you from it. And we brought a few of them. Uh, if you're interested, I know a lot of guys don't like to read, but the Bible says wisdom is the principal thing. And whatever you do, get wisdom. I think this book will really help you. Uh, cause I think it's something we all need. It's just a game plan for kind of coming back from setbacks. And, and, uh, I mean, like I said, we can go through the Bible and see a lot of them, but, uh, I was in the, the lobby of the Island Hotel in Newport, California, Newport Beach, California. And I was sitting with Kobe Bryant. Kobe had just set the record. This is a few years ago, just set the record for the most missed shots in the history of the NBA, the most missed shots in the history of the NBA. Now, what's amazing is seven days after he set the record for the most missed shots, he came back, passed up Michael Jordan for the most points scored. So the same guy with the most missed shots passed up one of the greatest players of all time. I said, how did you do that? He says, real, real simple. I just took another shot. He just shook it off, right? What pastor, what pastor spoke to? He just shook it off. He said, I'm not going to let that hold me back. Yeah, I made a mistake. Yeah, I missed a shot. But how am I going to do? I'm just going to take another shot. You can't let the fear of failure or the fear of criticism keep you from trying again, right? We're all going to make some, miss some shots. We're all going to, and, and that's where I got the title for this book. It's called Another Shot. Um, I, I love this quote on the, the back, Evander Holyfield, uh, the boxer. And I'm, and I'm mentioning his name because I want to read this quote, not because I'm just, I'm not trying to drop names. I'm just trying to tell you what the five-time heavyweight champion of the world said about my book. Um, <laughs> no, seriously. Ser- seriously. If anything I've, I've learned from spending time with Oprah, it's that, um, <laughs> so you shouldn't drop names, but uh, uh, Evander Holyfield says, it's not getting knocked down that makes you lose the fight. It's not getting back up, right? We're all going to get knocked down. Just say, say shake it off. Shake it off. Maybe you feel like you're at the top of your game. I'm just doing great. I mean, I got everything's going my way. I mean, your job is right, and your car is right, and your money's right, and your, your body's buff, and, and uh, maybe it's not. My, my doctor told me at the beginning of the year, he said, Dave, you, you got you to gotta lose 40 pounds this year. And here we are, what? We're middle of, we're already at March, and I've only got 45 to go. Um, so my wife told me, she said, honey, don't, you don't worry about, it. you've got the body of a God. I was like, thanks, babe. And she said, yeah, Buddha, <laughs> Buddha. But King David, there's a story in the Bible about King David and King David's one of my favorite people in the Bible. I love David because, you know, he, he, David's the first, I remember David killed Goliath. Y'all remember that story? I mean, cut his head off. I love that. Just that's manly, right? Man, he manned up right there. Cut. David's the first person I found to really get ahead in life. That was a bad one. But um, David, David was at the top of his game, right? He was at the top of his game spiritually. He was at the top of his game politically. He was at the top of his game financially. He'd been the king of Israel now for 20 years. Here he is in his, in his early 50s when all of a sudden he reached a place in his life where, well, he got a little too close to the edge, 
You know, when you get close to the edge, it makes it easy to slip off. If I'm back here away from the edge of this, I don't have to worry. I'm not going to fall off, right? I'm, I'm going to be okay. But if, if I start walking around here at, at the edge and the, and the ledge, it's real easy for me to just one little, one little slip, one little mistake, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm off. I've, I've fallen. If, now, if I stay back here, I'm a little safer, right? David, here he was, got a little too close to the ledge. Second Samuel chapter 11. I think they're going to put these scriptures. I gave them to them last minute, so maybe they'll be up there. Second Samuel chapter 11. Here we go. In verse one, in the spring of the year, when the kings normally go out to war, when the kings what? Normally go out to war. David sent Joab and the Israelite army to, to fight the Ammonites and they destroyed the Ammonite army and, and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. David stayed behind. Now, normally it says David should have been out there doing battle. That's normally what the king would have done. Normally, he'd have been leading the troops, but he abandoned his purpose. See, here's what happens when you abandon your purpose. He delegated his leadership. Now, whether this is your leadership as the, 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 the priest of your home, the father of your house, whether uh, he was in essence, he just kind of was, well, you know, I've, I've done a lot of, I've accomplished great. I, he was just kind of resting on his successes and, and that'll always get you into trouble right there. Uh, when an idle mind is always a dangerous mind. David probably took an afternoon nap, and after he got done with his nap, he kind of got up and he walked out on the rooftop of his, of his mansion there. He's the king, and he's got the castle, and he's overlooking the, the, the city, and, and maybe he took in the sights of the beautiful city of Jerusalem. He's enjoying the afternoon. He wasn't at battle where he was supposed to be, and he, he thought, man, man, how great my life is. I'm the king, got this beautiful view, and if you, if you know anything about architecture in that period of time, you know that the king's palace was always kind of in the middle of the city, so he could overlook the entire, he could overlook the entire city, and it was always built a little bit higher than everything else, so it was the highest, and he had the best views of the surrounding areas and the surrounding homes as well, and he could, he could easily see everyone else's rooftop. He could see what was happening on everyone's rooftop. And, and while he was looking over the, the city, uh, he, he was back in, his, in, the, in the middle of his, his roof. And he, he took a few steps out to the, to the ledge so he could see, maybe look down and, and see on the other rooftops, maybe what was happening, what was, what was going on. And, and, um, and as he looked over the city and took some steps to the edge, he, he saw this woman that was taking a bath. She was bathing. And, and that wasn't unusual for that to happen because uh, most women bathed in the afternoons. I mean, that's just kind of water was caught in the cisterns and from the heat of the day and the sun during the day gave the women a perfect opportunity to take a bath. Plus the men were out where they were supposed to be at battle. They were in the fields or they were protecting the city. And so there was not really, uh, there was little chance of them being seen. But David wasn't where he was supposed to be. And that's a whole message right there, because when you're not where you're supposed to be, you get yourself in a lot of trouble. When you're not where you're supposed to be spiritually, where you're not where you said you were going to be, there's a whole lot of meanings there. But if you just are where you're supposed to be with God, with it, well, it would solve a lot of problems itself. So, so uh, seeing 
seeing her was not the problem. That's not where the wheels came off of this whole story of David. Once he saw her, what he should have done, he went out to the edge and he saw her and he said, oh, whoops, whoops, sorry about that. Uh, Let me just step back uh, away, right? He immediately knew that's something I shouldn't be be, uh, looking at right there. But um, instead of stepping away, well, he looked over the edge into temptation. That look turned into to lust, it says, because the scripture uh, says that she was very beautiful. That's what the scripture said, very beautiful. If you translate that, you know, in the Hebrew, and, and it comes really from two Anglo-Saxon words, they're very beautiful. It comes rendered in today, Kim Kardashian. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure that he had, he had, he'd probably seen, I'm sure he'd seen Bathsheba before. I mean, because her husband and her father were, were two of David's personal bodyguards. They're two people that, that and, and David, David began this first step. See, if I'm at where I'm supposed to be, to get to the edge, it's going to take some steps, right? There, there is, it doesn't just happen. I don't just automatically end up here at the edge, but I had to take some steps to get there. What were the steps? What are the steps maybe that you have taken in your life or maybe that you are taking in your life that has landed you on the edge. It's landed you on the, on, on the ledge. The first step was the step of contemplation. He started thinking, I wonder what it'd be like with Bathsheba. I wonder what it'd be like to have a relationship. He began to, he began to paint a picture in his mind of having a relationship with her, maybe a sexual relationship with her. Nobody just suddenly falls into sin. No, you, no, you don't just fall into sin. You just, whoop, how'd I get in this bed? Well, I have no idea. Just fell, just tripped, land right here with her. No, no one just falls into sin. You don't just wake up and say, well, today, I think I'll cheat on my spouse today. I think that's what I'm going to do. You don't, you, don't, you don't think, you know what, I think, today I think I'm going to try drugs. I've never done that. Maybe I'm going to start drinking today. I, I think you don't just kind of wake up and, 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 and do those things. It's a, it's a developing pattern. There's some steps. Well, maybe you've never drank before. I wonder what it'd be like to have a drink. I never had a drink. I mean, they seem like they're having a good time when they drink. I, I, and you start the pathway. And the pathway that, that follows a really predictable path. It's really predictable. I'm going to show you how predictable it is. The path that it always, this path always leads to the ledge. The path will always lead you to the, to, to the edge. A path that, that uh, this, and listen, this isn't just for married men, what I'm talking about. Listen to me tonight. Single guys, listen to me tonight. Uh, there's, there's, it's all stuff in here for you too. How many single guys in here? Single guys. Okay, a lot of single guys. There's good pickup lines in the Bible if you look for them. They're good. Um, just, just trying to help you. <laughs> like you can use them Sunday when you get here. Yeah. Like the other day I was reading the book of Numbers and I realized I don't have yours. Just a Christian pickup line. Yeah. Your name must be Faith because you're the substance of things I've hoped for. Uh, okay, so. And also, listen to me, not married guys, single guys, any guys. Maybe you say, well, this isn't a problem for me. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't, I don't have, maybe, you, maybe your ledge is, maybe you're on the ledge of greed. Maybe you're on the ledge of pride. Maybe you're on the ledge of lust or some other sin, but there 
David was standing on the ledge. How did it happen? How did this, this David, the man after God's own heart, right? The man after God's own heart, how did he end up on the, the ledge, as the scripture says? Well, the pathway to the, the edge and the ledge of, of promiscuity of sin is really predictable and it's pretty methodical and and there there's some predictable steps that lead to the ledge so let me give them to you real quick if you got uh, your uh, pen write them down if you got your phone um go ahead and, and, and if you're taking notes write these write these down and if you're if you're not taking notes go ahead and just write these down first thing is pride Pride will lead you to the, David was resting on his past successes, right? He had, he had done all there, there was for him to do. And in his mind, he had won every battle. I mean, he's the man. He'd, he'd fought. He brought a nation together. He'd written a book, Psalms. He was a sta- he established Jerusalem as the capital. He was wealthy beyond his dreams. He's a national hero. And he thought he was untouchable, invincible. And that belief led him toward apathy and a, a sense of entitlement. And, and he took the next step. He became bored. It's important to beware of boredom. Beware of, uh, David was bored at the top. It's interesting that, it's interesting that we don't fall normally. You don't see people fall while they're climbing the ladder. They usually fall once they reach the top. Of the ladder, I, I work with with CEOs and pastors, and, and 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 when there's nothing left for us to hold on to, nothing left for us to reach for, that's when we become complacent, and we try to continually fill our our life with more and more, and and then we end up getting bored, and that's when we start to flip channels on the television, or 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 that's when we are are susceptible to to overspending or overeating or that's when we get bored our mind starts to wonder and like i said earlier an idle mind is a dangerous dangerous mind you ever put if you ever put a car in neutral it's it's easy you put a car in, in neutral it's easy for the wind to uh, to blow it push it i mean push it over a cliff push it down a hill but uh, but if it's in gear if it's in gear the wind isn't going to push it anywhere and then it's the same thing with our lives Ultimately, our boredom leads us to the, the next step, which is lust, and, and we look for the quick fix, right? We look for the, the rush, the, the, the thrill, and lust isn't just a desire for sex, okay? Don't, it, it goes way beyond that. So like, again, if you say, well, that's not an area I deal with, well, maybe there's some other desires. It, it's, it's, lust is a God-given desire that goes haywire, right? Um, whether that desire is, is for sex, whether that desire is for power, whether that desire is for control or uh, emotional connection. The interesting thing is that sin, is, it's attractive, right? I mean, if it wasn't, well, we wouldn't even be talking about it. Sin is, it has this alluring factor. It looks, it looks sexy. It's, it, it's fascinating, but it, but it also assassinates, uh, I, I, I've noticed you got a lot of mosquitoes here in Michigan. Anybody got one of those? Um, the uh, what? Like bug zapper? Anybody got a bug zapper? Let me see your hand. Anybody, anybody know what a bug zapper is? If you don't have one, you know what a bug bug zapper is. You, you turn them on in the evening, and and then the insects fly toward them, and they fly in the blue light. And when they hit the blue light, what happens? Yeah, <laughs> you love that sound. It's like yes, got another one. 
They get zapped over and over again. You hear that, that, and and I've always been intrigued by bug zappers, and I've often wondered that this, shouldn't the, the brighter bugs, like the more intelligent ones, like just kind of take a step back and say, hey, you know, I noticed when my friends fly to the blue light, they never come back. Maybe I should stay over here. Yeah, I, I, just a, a thought. Let's go back to the ledge. Um, so where this, this path led our boy, boy David, he, because what happened is he didn't stop at contemplation, right? You see that girl at the gym, the, the one at Starbucks at 8 o'clock, and you think, I wonder if, I come, I wonder if she comes every morning at 8 o'clock. It, it doesn't start with a, an affair. It starts with you deciding to go back to Starbucks the second day at 8 o'clock just in case that's when she goes to Starbucks. Or, or you, you, you drive by the house to see if maybe she's in the... So that's just one of the areas. But David here, he, he didn't stop at the... You start contemplating, Start contem- he didn't stop at the contemplation stage. He moved on to the next stage. And, and that stage was consumption. Contemplation. The next step. First step, contemplation. The next step, consumption. Look at uh, Second uh, Timothy chapter 11, verse 3. Look at this. And, and David sent someone to, to find out who she who she was. He, he started entertaining the temptation, right? He, he found out that it was, it was Bathsheba. And okay, now he's gone past contemplating and he's took, take the next step and he, 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 he sends a messenger to, 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 um, to go and, and, uh, and, and sends her a message. Hey, you want to come watch some Netflix and chill, right? <laughs> sends her text message. Why, why didn't, now why didn't Bathsheba say no? I mean, come on, she's, she's married and she at fault too. Why didn't she say, look, I'm not going. I know he's inviting me, but I'm, I'm not going. Uh, one of the reasons is because if she refused to go in those days, it would cost her her life. If the king requested her and she said no, uh, well, verse four, look at verse four. And she came to him and, uh, uh, and, uh, and, he, and, he, and he slept, he slept with her. Now, after David and Bathsheba have sex, David's, well, his first nightmare becomes a reality. Bathsheba um, goes to Walgreens, gets pregnancy test. She sends David a text, and that message kind of knocked the wind out of Dave. Hey, I'm pregnant, bath, Sheba. Now, what did David do? I mean, after all, right, he's a man after God's own heart. He's made a mistake, and, and, and uh, it, did he come clean and confess? Because that's what a man after, I mean, he, you know what? No, no, David began to cover up what he had done. As opposed to coming clean, he began this long path of deception, uh, an unwillingness to face his sin, and, and that just led to more sin. That's why you don't lie about the first thing. It just leads to more, and he ends up more in, into more serious sins. And now David designs this perfect cover-up. He sends Bathsheba's husband, uh, Uriah. Uh, he, he sends for Uriah. Uriah was one of David's uh, uh, hand-picked soldiers. He'd been in battle uh, with him, and, and uh, he was commander. Uh, he was loyal and he was, he was, he was kind, but he had this monstrous work ethic, Uriah. 
So Uriah comes from the battlefield. David talks to him uh, about the war. And then he says, Uriah, look, I, look, it's late. Why don't you go home? I know you haven't been home in a long time. Why don't you go home, uh, take Bathsheba out for a date. You know, go on a date, have a nice meal. I'm going to cover it. I, I got the, I'll pick up the tab, spend the night with her, and you guys have a great time. Then just go back to the battlefield tomorrow. David sent a gift. Maybe, I don't know, maybe he sent him a gift card to Victoria's Secret. I don't know what he did with all kinds of stores. I was in, you know, in New York. You ever been in New York City? Do you know how many stores there are in New York? Every store that you want in the world, it's in New York City. They have, I, I just, in New York City, I found recently they had a husband store. Husband, you could get a husband at a store in New York City. I was like, I can't believe that. Yeah, and and, and so you, you went in, and, uh, and and there was there was I think six levels to the the store, and and you could check out the guys on the first level, I, and and each level the guys got better, right? Um, and and so, but 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 once you went up a level, you couldn't go back. So if you went through the second floor and didn't pick anybody, you went to the third floor. You couldn't go back and go. You know what? I think I did like that guy on the second floor. So so the ladies go in the first floor, and 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 that floor is pretty basic. These men, it just said these men have jobs. So ladies go through and they check out the guy. Well, I mean that's okay. Let's go to the second floor. Might as well. And so they went to the second floor and said, uh, these men have jobs. And like kids. So, wow, this is better. So they check out the next level and the men got jobs and like kids. And, and uh, uh, oh my goodness, if, if that, that got better, I must, well, let's go to the third floor. Check that out. It must get better than that. So they went to the third floor. These men uh, um, have jobs, love kids, and help with the housework. Whoa, ladies, like this, this is amazing. We, I mean, if it gets that much better every time, let's just go to the next floor. So they go to the next floor. These men have jobs, love kids, uh, um, help with the housework, and are extremely good looking. Man, the ladies are checking out this floor. They're like, this is, this is awesome. This is my kind of store. Uh, take us up. Take us to the fifth floor. I mean, it, it just keeps getting better. We might swear. They go to the fifth floor. These men have jobs, love kids, uh, 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 extremely good looking. Uh, what else were they? Um, yeah, help with housework and are extremely romantic. The lady said, you know, just let, we, let's say waste our time. Take us to the, to the top. We want, let's just go to the top. They got the top. The doors open. And, and there was a sign that said, there are no men on this floor. This floor is just to prove that women are never satisfied. <laughs> okay. So David has this plan, right? He has this, this plan. Uriah would come home from the battle, uh, go to dinner, have sex with his wife. And who, who was pregnant, right? And that would be his cover-up. Then they would think the child was, no one would ever know that it was David's child. They'll just think it's Uriah's child. David felt pretty good about the plan. The next morning he gets up, has a second cup of espresso, uh, you know, from, from uh, Starbucks or whatever. He's, he's a part of the Church of the Latte Day Saints. <laughs> they all work, worship over at St. Arbucks. Okay, so he finds out when he gets up, he looks outside. Uriah had slept on his porch. Uriah didn't go home. He said, what? Uriah said, I can't go home. I can't go enjoy my life. All my men, everyone else is out at, at, at the battlefield. I, I, I stayed right here. So David's like, I can't believe this. This plan didn't work. So he takes another step and he invites Uriah to his house to eat. 
And he says, just come eat at my house. So he has a meal, gets him drunk, tells him, all right, now go home. Go home and, and, and be with your wife. Again, he wakes up the next morning, Uriah, so faithful uh, to, to the king. He's right there at his doorsteps. Where had, had, had Uriah learned this, this loyalty like this? Well, he, he learned it from David. Learned it from David himself. So now, finally, David turns to this tragic angle, and he, he sends a note, basically a death sentence via Uriah to the general Joab. Uh, and, and he says to Joab, he says, look, put Uriah on the front lines. So he puts him on the front lines. Once Uriah had several other uh, soldiers went to the front lines, and they were all, they were all killed. No one knew about David's sin except for the loyal general, General Joab. Uh, but, but, I mean, who would, who would challenge the king? So David thinks he's gotten away with this whole thing. And a lot of times you think, well, I've gotten away with it. Nobody knows about it. I've gotten away with it. it, it you, the perfect crime. But David forgot one, one thing. He, the, the, the same thing that Moses forgot when he killed the Egyptian. It's the, it's the same thing that we forget sometimes when we sin. David forgot that God sees everything. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 21, for, uh, for uh, the Lord sees clearly, sees clearly what a man does, examining every path that he takes. An evil man is, is, is held captive by his own sins. They are ropes that catch and, and, and hold him. So go back to, to 2 Samuel 11. We'll go down to verse 27. And it, it says that um, the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. But the Lord, look at that last line, was displeased with what David had done. And, and, and here's the, the third step that reaches right to the edge and the, the ledge of, of compromise. The third step, which is, well, now it's out of David's control. And that's consequences. 12 months had melted off the clock. David's friend Nathan was talking to him and said, hey, David, hey, listen, uh, I don't know if you've heard about, uh, I don't know if you heard the one about the lamb. Have you heard the one about the lamb? And David said, no, no. And he, he said, well, there's this rich man who had a lot of, of sheep. And this interested David, right? Because David was a shepherd boy. And so he's, he's listening. And, uh, and, and there was a poor man who only had one uh, new lamb that was his family's pet. One day, the rich man had this important business associate come in and meet with him, and, and so he invited him over, and instead of killing one of his own lamb for the meal, he took the little lamb from the poor guy. He had all these lambs, but he took the one guy, the poor guy's little lamb, and killed it. When David heard that, he became angry. It says he became violently angry, and he said that the man should pay the poor man four times over. That man should even be killed for his actions, for what he did. And Nathan looked at David and said, David, you are that man. You committed adultery and then you, then you killed Uriah, the Hittite. Look at uh, 2 Samuel 12, verse 10. And, and God said, now therefore, uh, verse, yeah, 2 Samuel 12, verse 10, uh, for, uh, from this time on, your family will live by the sword because you have despised me by taking Uriah's wife to be your own. Do you ever, you ever, you ever see those lists uh, about what's in and what's out? You know, this is in, this is, this is out. What's hot, what's, what's not. Over, over the last few years in our 
society in, a, in, in America, it seems like, uh, you know, the wrath of God is out. The fear of God is out. Discipline of God, it, it's not hot in the Christian world. It's, it's, and it, it's caused, it's really caused a lot of people not to fear God anymore. We, we, we claim to know what, what God will do and, and what he, what he won't do concerning the way he disciplines his, his children. But, you know, he's broken out of the, uh, out of every box I've ever tried to put him in. <laughs> right. I, well, I know God wouldn't do that today. I mean, New Testament grace. And I, I, I don't know. I mean, if you read the old Testament, I mean, there are some in the new Testament too, but if you think about all the, the garbage Moses took for, for 40 years, right? I mean, for 40 years, then he gets angry with God one time, right? One time and God says, okay, sorry, you're not getting in the promised land. Like seriously, for 40 years, he goes through all this. And then one thing he gets mad and you stop him. But yeah, that's what, that's what happened. Not God, not a, not a good God. Nadab and, and Abihu, I think is how you say it. I don't, I don't know how you say it, but they had some weird names back then, didn't they? They were irreverent and God struck them dead. David had a, 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 a one night stand and killed Bathsheba's husband and God took his first child. Wow. I mean, the net effect of all this that I, I, I just, and I, I love God's grace. I'm thankful for, how many are thankful for God's grace? How many glad his mercies are new every morning? How many needed one already this morning, right? You, there may be a couple of them, but I'm just saying, you just, you know, uh, um, I'm not sure what God would do. I mean, you, would, would, he, would he take my life? Would he take the blessing off of my ministry? My health, my, my family, my son. I mean, we, we love to memorize all the verses about the love of God and the grace of God and the forgiveness of God. And, 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 but then we ignore stuff like Hebrews 10. Look at Hebrews 10, 31. It is an awful thing, a terrible thing to fall into the hands of, a, of the living God. Wow. I'm not saying that God is, a, is an angry God. I'm just saying that God is, is a God who can, who can get angry. I mean, God will forgive you. I, I believe that 100%. I'm so grateful for that. I, I, I need that. God will forgive you. But, he, but he, doesn't always, he doesn't remove the consequences, right? I mean, you rob a bank, you're going to get arrested. You're going to go to prison. You can repent. A lot of people do when they get to prison. Repent. Get saved. By the way, every, every one of these books we sell, we give a copy to a prisoner. We've given tens of thousands of these because if anybody could use another shot, uh, someone in prison can. So, um, um, yes, yeah, so by the way, when you, if you grab one of those books uh, tonight, you'll also bless a, a prisoner with a book who could really use a, another shot. But uh, um, rob a bank, you're in prison, you, you can repent, get saved. God will forgive you. He's not going to break you out of jail. Right? I was at the bank the other day and the person in front of us was robbing the bank. There's a guy robbing the bank in front of us. His mask came off. He was trying to get the money. He asked the teller. He said, my, my, did you see my face? The teller said, I did. I saw your face and he shot the teller. The bank robber looked at me and my wife. He said, did either one of you see my face? And my wife said, he did. made that up but that was pretty funny that'd be, that'd be wrong though wouldn't it so god forgives god forgives but he he doesn't remove the consequences 
What were the consequences in David's life? David and, and Bathsheba's son died. One of David's sons raped his half-sister Tamar, Absalom. Another one of David's sons killed Amnon. And, and then Absalom tried to violently overthrow David's throne. And Absalom eventually died during the battle. Then Solomon, David's second son with Bathsheba, followed the path of promiscuity that his father followed and, and, and traveled. And adultery became a generational sin. And ultimately, David's kingdom was split his legacy. Building men right? Raising sons, his, his, his legacy. My dad's a pastor. My grandfather's a pastor. My great-grandfather's a, a pastor. They've been building legacy for, for years. It's interesting, though, that the legacy was destroyed. And it's interesting that adultery so often leads to divorce. And then what does divorce do? It splits Splits the kingdom right down the middle. So God, God could have said, David, you, you turned away from me, and I'm going to turn away from you forever. But he didn't. He didn't. He forgave David's sin. David faced some serious pain. And look what happened to his family. Some turmoil that he had to deal with, with his, his, his children. And, and, uh, and, and, and not only did he face some consequences on the outside, but imagine the, the debilitating effect his cover-up had on him. I mean, the, the guilt, the shame that had to be paralyzing. Well, let, me, let me close with, with, with this. David said in, in Psalms 51, after he was confronted with his sin, Psalms 51 and, and verse number one, have mercy on me, O God, because your, of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify Purify me from my sins. Verse 3, for I, I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night against you and you alone of us sin. I, I've done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is, is just. David thought he was getting freedom, and instead he, was, he really got bondage and despair. Verse 11, back to Second Samuel chapter uh, uh, 12 And this is what the Lord says, out of your own household, I'm going to bring calamity upon you before your very eyes. I will take your wives and give them to one who's close to you. And he will lie with your wives in in, in broad daylight. And and, uh, and, and there's this trade-off, right? There's these consequences in all of our lives. Sin always hurts innocent bystanders. If you don't come clean, it'll hurt you more. When you're tempted, especially with these kind of sins, if you're, if you're married if, or if you're not married, whether you're, you're thinking of having an affair or whether you're already in it, whether you're hooking up right with someone right now. Here's what I discovered a long time ago. When I do get close to the edge or the contemplation, that first step, and I think, well, I borrow some pain from my future. I want you to think about that right there. I borrow some pain. What is it going to feel like to sit down with my son and tell him the mistake that I made? What is it, what is it going to do when I got to look at my men and say, here's, you know what? Here's what happened. When I borrow some pain from my future, what is it like when I'm going to have to talk to my wife 
Think about how much it's going to hurt others. Think about the collateral damage. Think about the, the carnage that it'll cost. There's a high price for our sin. David said, God said to David, I gave your master's house to you and your master's wives to your arm. And, 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 and the, the number one thing, I'm out of time here. The number one thing, grace, grace, grace doesn't make me want to sin more. It makes me want to not sin more. When I think about God's grace and God's goodness and God's mercy, doesn't go, hey, I can get away with that. I gotta, gotta be. The number one thing is, it's all about God. It's all about the, re- the reason that we should remain faithful is because God is faithful to us. When you start looking at it like that, it, it's just, I mean, marriage is just a reflection of Christ's love. God wants to have this, this incredible love affair with us. The Bible says, Proverbs chapter 4, last, last scripture, Proverbs 4, 26. Make level for your feet and, and, and make, make out a straight path for your feet and stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep, keep your feet from following evil. Go ahead and stand up all across the room. Go ahead and stand up. Tomorrow we'll get some, get some motivation and some good stuff there. But tonight I want you to just... I think God gave me this message and the pastor had that word, shake it off. He, he spoke that and declared that and some of you took a step immediately to shake it off. Some of you, God's given you another chance to shake it off. Whether it's greed, whether it's sexual sin, whether it's maybe alcoholism, too, I, I don't know what it is. You know what it is. He's already dealing with your heart. I don't have to tell you what it is. Holy Spirit, I thank you. That you're speaking to each one of our hearts. Maybe we've just taken a, maybe we're at that first step. We just looked down and we're contemplating and we're like, yeah, nope, nope. I'm about to take a step back. Maybe we're at step two, three. Maybe we've, ended up in the wrong bed. Maybe we've allowed greed to steal our integrity and we, on the job, we've done some things that, or we're doing some things that are, are not of godly character. Tonight we have an opportunity to shake it off. If that's you tonight, you already know if that's you. I don't need to take a, a long time, but... I do want to give you one opportunity and then the worship team want to have them sing and, and uh, give you one more opportunity to step out. Just come down, shake it off, whatever it may be. With heads bowed all across the room. Never want to close without giving people an opportunity to make sure that their heart and their life is right with God. More important than anything is that you're at peace with God. Life goes better when you put God first. Maybe you're here tonight and you've never made a decision to put God first in your life. Maybe a friend invited you to this men's thing and we're going to eat some good food and have some dessert. And you're like, man, what is this guy talking about? But all in the middle of all this, he said, man, there's some areas of my life where I, I, I'm trying to control on my own. I can't do it on my own. There's someone that wants to help you. You say, Dave, that's me. I'm not at peace with God tonight, but I want to be. Maybe you came and you're far from God. But when you leave here tonight, 
you're making a decision to put God back where he belongs in the priorities of your life. Maybe you've allowed a job to come before you. Maybe you've allowed a relationship to come before him or a job before him. And tonight you say, I'm putting God back where he belongs. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I'm just going to look across the building one time. You know if this is you. Just say, Dave, when you pray that prayer, pray for me. Not at peace with God, but I want to be. Never made a decision to put God first. I'm telling you, when you put God first, he'll take you places you've never dreamed. Best decision you'll ever make, best decision I've ever made in my entire life was to put God first. Maybe you're far from God tonight, but you say, Dave, I'm ready to to reprioritize and put God back where he belongs. First place, number one in my life. When you pray that prayer, pray for me. I'm going to count to three. When I count to three, just lift your hand across the room. Just lift your hand and say, Dave, pray for me when you pray that prayer. One, two, three. Real quick, all across the room. God bless you, bless you, bless you. God bless you. Thank you, thank you. God bless you, God bless you. Thank you, thank you. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Father, thank you for hands all across the room in every section. In every section saying, Father, I put you first. I'm making a decision, maybe some for the very first time. Lord, we ask you to take those things in our life that are not pleasing to you. We give them to you. We place them at your feet on the the altar. We say, God, I tried to do it on my own, but tonight I surrender my life to you. Tonight I give my life to you. The one who gave your life for me, I make the decision to give my life to you. All across the room, hands were lifted. But he said, it's this simple. If you believe in your heart, and if you'll say with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. All across the room, I want every man to say this with me. Say, Jesus Christ is my Lord. As we begin to worship, if that's you tonight, you say, there's some areas in my life I need to shake off. I want to open the altar back up. I want you to quickly step out. Just step out. Just spend just a moment here. Just spend a moment. Shake it off. Father, I thank you for it today. As we lift our voices and we begin to worship you, Father, I thank you. As those men begin to step out, I want to shake off greed. I want to shake off that sin. I want to, I want to shake off those things that are separating me from you tonight, God. Just maybe take a moment to come to the altar. Lay it here. Shake it off right here. Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Come on, just begin to step out. Oh God.